C.S. Lewis said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are, and you can change the ending. And so the question is, is the thought, we're in a theme called in the beginning, is there anywhere in your life that God's asking you to change? Is anywhere in your life that God's asking you to begin again? You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are, and you can change the ending. Finishing life, and, and how many of us know that all of us here, when we one day take our last breath, move from this life to the next, we want to know that we lived a very full, satisfying life. My grandpa, who I think he was 91, 92, just passed this last Friday, not this last Friday, but the Friday before. But he would, you know, for 91, 92, whatever one it is, he lived a very full, full life. He taught, he lived, he had a lot of family. I think like five or six daughters, and so that makes it full already, right? But he, um, he lived a full life, and I know when I saw him in February, he said, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to heaven now. I'm ready, and I've been ready. And when you get to that point, you know, hopefully it's not accidental, but when you get to that point, you can say to yourself, I'm ready as well. I have lived my life to the fullest. I gave life every single thing that I have. I am ready to go from this life into the next life. We can't change what we did yesterday, but you can, do what you can change what you do today, and you can change what you can do tomorrow. And so our theme, in the beginning. We don't have a screen this morning, so my iPad's not being my friend. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to do something. Bust out your Bible or your phone so you can follow along. I am in the New Living Translation, and it is Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When she, began, when she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best, portions of the firstborn, lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel in his gift but did not accept Cain in his gift. This made Cain very angry. He looked dejected. God says, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? Will you be accepted if you do what is right? But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, hey, let's go out in the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. So this morning as we break down this story, I'm about to say a word that, you know, kind of in church, it's kind of like money. The other word is sex. Oh, my gosh. Right? It's that word, that weird word. God created sex. And in the description here that Adam knew his wife, it describes a physical and a spiritual act that God had given to a man and a woman. A physical and a spiritual act that God has given to a man and a woman. Meant for marriage. A oneness that is intimate and for two people in marriage. I love how Eve, and, and you got to give props to Eve. Say props to Eve. She gets pregnant. And what is the first thing she say? She doesn't say with Adam's help, and he probably had a little hand in it, right? But she said, what did she say? It's with the Lord's help that I brought forth a man. Eve acknowledges the Lord. 
She gets pregnant, she gives birth, and she's excited to have her firstborn. And I love how the very first thing that she says, it is with the Lord's help. And again, Adam's a wonderful guy, right? Isn't Adam awesome and amazing like us men in here this morning? And we love to be acknowledged by our wives and our spouses, right? Don't we love men? We love to hear compliments and all those good things. Maybe she does, but it's not written in here. She says, it's with the Lord's help. The acknowledgement that she acknowledges here is the Lord. And that's the most important. Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all your ways, not in some of your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. How many people want God to direct their lives? How many people want God to open doors? How many people want God to provide and heal and this, that, and the other? How do we do it? In every single thing that we do, Proverbs says, in every single situation, acknowledge God. Proverbs 3, 6, this is in the Amplified Version. In all your ways that you know, you recognize, and you acknowledge him, and then he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your actions to the Lord, then your plans will succeed. How many of us, sometimes we move 3 million miles an hour, and sometimes, even though we love God, sometimes we forget God out of what we're doing. Sometimes life can be so busy at work, at school, at home, at fun, at play, says, listen, if you commit to me every single thing that you do, all your plans will succeed. It's important not to leave him out. And I do this at times where I get busy. And food's one of those things where, you know, we should always bless God and thank him for food and providing food. But how many of us, sometimes so hungry, you just start to shovel in the food before you remember, I need to thank God for this meal. I need to thank God for this. Cain and Abel, two brothers. Cain became a farmer and Abel became a shepherd. And in describing these two boys and describing their identity and who they would become, identity is the fact of being who or what a person is. Sometimes in life and sometimes in families, there's jealousy. And the one that I want to point out this morning as I'm looking at this one is, and, and I know that it goes way deeper than this, but there is occupation jealousy. One's a produce guy and the other one is a shepherd. Now, being a shepherd from the very beginning all the way up to Jesus' day, that describes who Jesus is. So we know that in Israel, being a shepherd is definitely highly looked upon, right? You don't really hear too many people talking about a produce or, you know, a farmer who produces, who produces produce, right? You don't. You hear, you hear if it's the number one occupation, what is it? It's a shepherd. And sometimes as parents, and parents are awesome and amazing Sometimes parents funnel kids into jobs and occupation and they create actually jealousy within siblings. And Cain and Abel, I think that it goes deeper than a sibling and an occupation jealousy. I think that it goes much, much deeper and we'll get to that later. But there is a occupational jealousy. Jealousy is one of the worst things in the whole entire world. Jealousy is an absolute killer, which I'm going to get to here in a minute. First Peter says 2.9. Actually, I'm going to skip that. There's many different forms of jealousy. And I mentioned occupation jealousy. There's How many of us know that there's gender jealousy? Some guys are jealous of girls, and so they want to be one, right? Some girls are jealous of guys, right? Vice versa. There is gender jealousy. There is spousal jealousy. There is sibling jealousy. Jealousy is this intense degree, 
feeling of emotion that one person that you were so jealous maybe of what they're doing or, or where they are. Jealousy is an absolute killer. And in the story we see that jealousy destroys a family. Jealousy just rips apart the very first murder that is recorded in the Bible all out of jealousy. These two boys were identified as a farmer and they were identified as a shepherd. The identity is an important part of life. And how many of us know that, you know, when you talk to people, older people, and you ask them who they are and what they do, a lot of times one of the first things they mention is, well, I'm a doctor or I'm a nurse or I'm a salesperson or I'm a dentist or I'm this or I work at McDonald's and I microwave hamburgers and I just absolutely love it and I make McFlurries. A lot of people, the number one thing that they identify themselves is with their occupation. Some people in life, they, that is the one thing that they identify with themselves. That to them, that's where they feel important is this is my occupation. This is where I feel important. And absolutely, an occupation is an important part of life. We need to work so that we can pay for bills and we can play, right? But for many people, their occupation is way important, more important than God. How many people know that their occupation and who they're becoming or who they are to them, that is more important than their identity in Christ? And this story speaks of a bigger problem, that two brothers, there was one who was jealous of the other brother, but there was something much deeper that one person in the story did not have his identity rooted strongly in God. And it shows by how he gave. Your identity in Jesus Christ should be the number one goal every single day that you understand royalty means something. 1 Peter 2.9 says you're not like that. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Turn to your neighbor and say you are God's people. You are a royal priest. And to know every single day, you know, there's certain things that, that we should remind ourselves of every single day. And number one, royalty matters. I'm in the family of God. I am a royal priest. There are certain things that we should tell ourselves every single day before we leave the house, knowing that you're, you're rooted in the identity and who God made you to be. That is the most important thing every single day that you know who you are in Jesus Christ. Everyone wants to be satisfied in life and everybody wants to be happy in life and everybody wants to have peace in life and everybody wants this, this, and this, and this, and this. If you do not have your identity rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, you will not have any of those things. You will not have any of those things. Your identity matters, but it, what matters is, is who and what you identify with. Right In a day and age where people can identify themselves as a pizza, they can identify themselves who, with and whom whatever they want to be, identity strongly matters today. It is so important that you fully understand the identity that you have in Jesus Christ. As these two brothers make an offering, it says that Cain gave some of his produce. Cain gave just some of his produce, but Abel gave his best. The first and richest parts that he gave, he gave to God. There was a clear difference in the way these two men gave. One gave just giving. The other one gave because he believed. 
And it's no wonder to see that as soon as they gave, it says that God was accepted with Abel's sacrifice. He was amazed and he had respect for Abel. The word there, accepted, means to look in an amazement and to look with respect. God had respect for Abel in the offering that he had made. He said that he did not accept Cain and his. Why was there a difference between the two brothers? Why was there a difference, a big difference in the way that these two brothers gave? One heart gave grudgingly. One heart gave as I can just give whatever I want to. I can decide whatever I want to. I can just do and decide how and when I give to God and where I give to God. Cain thought that he could do whatever he wanted to do. That's not how it works. Abel, his brother, who was the younger brother, took the very, very best because he wanted to honor and respect, and he gave it to God. Abel gave in faith. Abel gave his very, very best. But God is so good because he comes to Cain and he says, hey, why are you angry? Cain, why are you so angry right now? If you do what's right, you'll be accepted. And in the minute he says this, he gives Cain a opportunity to make another sacrifice. Hey, why are you angry? If you choose right in this moment to do what's right, I will accept you. I'm giving you a second chance. I'm giving you a second opportunity to make things right. Sometimes in life we don't have that opportunity with people, right? Sometimes people get mad and offended and they don't give us the opportunity to make it right. God is a God of second chances. God is a God of new beginnings. And thank God that when you screw up and I screw up, guess what? He accepts you and he's willing to accept you again and again and again and again. And as believers and as Christians, we should also set that tone where if someone offends us, we should be willing to accept them no matter what. Just as our God does. It says, if you do what's right in this moment, Cain, I'm going to accept you. But if you don't, you need to watch out. You know, admitting that you're wrong is one of the hardest things to do. Many, many of us, how many of us know that when you're in the moment, and, and you want to do wrong, and you want to say something that's wrong, it's hard to admit that you're a fault. Cain did not want to admit to God in this moment. Cain did not want to admit that he was weak. Cain did not want to admit that he was angry. Cain did not want to admit to God that he was jealous. He wanted to cover up all the things that he was feeling because he wanted to act out of those emotions, and he wanted to take it out on his brother. Second Corinthians 12.9 says, hey, I'm going to skip that one. God says to Cain, he says, you have to be careful. Because if you're not careful, something is crouching right at your door. And it will take over you and it will become your master. And there's two word pictures that God describes in this. The first one is, how many of us have ever watched a lion on TV, unless you're you know, able to go in person, and watch a lion eat its prey? How many of you have watched on TV a lion that hides and it's out there, you know, in the fields and it sits down and it waits and it, it, it's kind of secretive, but it's waiting for its prey. And at the right moment, the right time, the lion attacks and kills its prey. That's what the devil does with every single one of us. He's hiding in the shadows. The devil's hiding in dark places. The devil's hiding in, in people and places that you don't think the devil would ever be. And at the right moment, that's when the devil tries to pounce on you. That's the first picture. The second picture is of a demon at a door. 
And as God's describing to him that sin is crouching at your door waiting to have you, the minute you decide to do something wrong, you walk through a door and that demon jumps all over you. God clearly in the very, 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 very beginning describes if you are not careful with your life, with your words, with your actions, how you walk, talk, and dress, how you feel inside, dealing with anger, insecurity, and jealousy. If you're not careful what's happening with stuff on the inside, the devil is absolutely right there waiting to pounce all over you. Knock, knock. Proverbs 16.32 says it's better to be patient than powerful, and it's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Proverbs 25.28 says a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. 2 Timothy 1.7, God's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. He tells them, if you do not do what's right, sin will become your master. Sin, and what does sin represent? Sin represents darkness. And, you know, for most people who sin, they don't know that they're in darkness. I know that for me, in a portion of my life, when I started to do things that weren't right, um, you know, at first you know when you're doing something wrong. But after a while, completely forget that you're doing wrong because you have fully accepted it. You know, sometimes as people, when we become adults and later and we grow up and we become big boy and big girl adults, sometimes the way that we think and feel and walk and talk, we still do things wrong. And when we're unable to see that how we talk, we're unable to see that how we dress is wrong. God says that, Cain, you need to have self-control. Turn to your neighbor and say self-control. It's a nice big word. And self-control is a word that you're able to tell yourself, no, no, don't say this right now. No, don't do this right now. No, you don't need to go there tonight. No, you don't need to watch this. No, you don't need to look on your phone on this. God says to Cain, you must learn to be the master. Cain decided, you know what? God, that all sounds good. That was a nice speech. It sounded great, but I still want to do wrong. What takes a, a young man to kind of ignore God's voice and say, you know what, God, that, that's all great, but I, I'm not going to listen? What, what, what happens in Cain that he allows his anger to be fed? That is, jealousy gets fed, which leads to the very, very first murder. What really, honestly, was Cain so mad about? What was he so jealous about that he had to take his brother and he had to take him outside and had to commit the very first murder? Most of us think, as we watch TV, you know, hear murder all the time, right? If you watch TV, if you look on your phone, people are getting killed everywhere, and people kill for different reasons. We know that people kill for power, for control. People kill because they're insecure and they're made fun of as a young child, so they're going to pay back somebody for what they did. Cain killed because he was angry. angry. Anger is one of the worst emotions that we can have. A gentle answer reflects, deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but jealous Jealousy is even more dangerous. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy bottle, body. <laughs> but jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. But jealousy is like cancer in the bones. If you ever thought one of the emotions that you're dealing with is destroying you from the inside out, 
Jealousy, it says, is like cancer in the bones. A heart of peace is to a healthy body. And how many people today struggle with emotions that are completely out of control and out of whack? The three, two biggest killers in the story was anger and jealousy, which you see it destroys a young man's life. I think you can't neglect in the story of mom and dad in this. How many of us know there's no perfect parent? Right? And how many of us know that no matter what we learned from mom and dad that was good or bad, when we became a parent, um, it wasn't easy, right? There were things that you had to learn on the fly. These are the first two parents in the Bible. These are the very first parents. And to me, what a tragedy. Because how many of us know when, you know, your wife gets pregnant or you get pregnant, one of the things, first thing is like, I hope my baby will come out healthy, right? And then as you have a baby and they start to grow, what are you, what are you thinking? I hope they grow up to be somebody awesome and wonderful, right? I hope they turn out to be okay. In this story, Cain and Abel, one of them turns out to be a murderer. And I take a step back and I say, was it all Cain's fault? Did Cain become a murderer all on his own? Or did mom and dad have something to do with it? We know that from Adam and Eve, that if you just go back one chapter, right? We know that you go back one chapter, and it says that in this chapter, Adam and Eve made a decision that changed history. It changed everything. It changed forever. And because of that, because of what they did, they had to pay a consequence. For Eve, now when, when women would give birth, there would be pain, Right? So thank you, Eve, right? Thank you, Eve, for, for that blessing. And for, for Adam, because he was the knucklehead who didn't stop his wife, it says now the ground is cursed and you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow every single day. And believe me, we curse Adam all the time. And I have to wonder if mom and dad were a little bitter. They lived in a, in a beautiful, perfect garden that was everything that was right, everything that was good. And because of their own sin and because of their own mistake, God kicked them out. And I wonder if they were a little mad and frustrated with God. I wonder if they had some feelings that they carried over. And without realizing it, they put those feelings onto their son. I wonder if they're, the bitterness that they had. I wonder if they had bitterness towards God. I wonder if they had bitterness towards each other. Because now of everything that they had to do because of their own sin. Now, how many of us know that if you make a mistake, who's at fault? You are, right? If you make a mistake, who pays for it? You should, right? But as people, how many of us know that when I make a mistake, it's easier just to blame somebody else, right? It's easier as a parent to sit there and talk about someone else's mistakes than to talk about your own mistakes, right? It's easy to sit there and to talk out loud. And I have to think for a minute, again, I don't think it's all Cain's fault here. I think it's the parents. Now, I started this thing called In the Beginning because I think there's things in the beginning that are really, really important. I think that God is a place of new beginnings and he gives us second chances. And we have to remind us ourselves every single day that in the beginning God created marriage and it's the, one of the most beautiful things in the whole entire world. The foundation of life and creation was founded on marriage. God created Adam and Eve. But as he gets into the family and because brokenness happens... The very, very first murder. And it leads me to, sometimes when little things go unnoticed and not dealt with, they lead to bigger things. 
And I think for Adam and Eve in this story, I think they had little things in their life that they did not want to take responsibility for. I think that Adam and Eve did not take some personal responsibility for their own mistakes. Eve made a mistake and Adam made a mistake. But I think that they blamed each other and I think they blamed God and I think they took that out on their kids. And a lot of parents do that in our world today. When they don't get, when they didn't become who they thought they should have became. How many parents, how many dads thought they should have made it to the NFL or this? And how many dads take it out on their sons and force them into sports because they're going to become? They didn't. And how many people, adults, moms and dads, force onto their kids something that they wanted that never happened for them? And so I look at this story and it is horrible and it is tragic what Cain did. But I take a step back and say that I think the parents had a big part in this. And this morning, parents, it's important to say, how am I parenting? And if your parenting days are over, to understand that your parenting days are never over. And if your kids are out of the house, there's other kids who need parenting, right? Because there are a lot of, no offense, sucky parents out there. And if there's a lot of sucky parents who are not involved in their kid's life and who have pushed their kids out in, in, the, in the world, then as Christians, we should take kids into our world and into our life and make sure that they have some basic family skills. The other day I was thinking, and God kind of reminded me, you know, one of the, the strongest weapons, weapons that Satan uses today is media. And I want you to think how much power and influence does the media, does phones, the social media, and the TV have power over people's lives People are so strongly influenced as they're scrolling through social media, as they're watching the news. How many things change? There are elections that get changed, right? There are riots that happen. There's all these horrible things that have happened in the past year. What was it influenced by? It was influenced by the media. It was influenced by this. And there's somebody behind there pushing buttons. And you look at this story, sad and tragic, Somebody pushed mom and dad's buttons, and you know what they did? Then pushed their son's button. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. God is the creator of life. He's the creator of men and women. God is a provider. God is a healer. God is a leader. God is merciful. God is graceful. God is our savior. And we could go on and on and on and on. But I close with this this morning. If God never said in the first three chapters how to give a gift to him, why was Cain not accepted? It's not written, right? It's not anything that at least we see here. Now we know down the road, God talks about tithes and offerings, but in the first three chapters, God's talking about creation and God's talking about this and God's talking about that. And if it never was talked about, that Cain would have been held responsible for it? I don't think so. I think mom and dad clearly knew what God expected and I think mom and dad translated that into their kids. And I think at that point, Cain purposely decided he did not care. God deserves my very best. God deserves your very best. God deserves, deserves us giving ourselves fully. Because in the end times, what happens in the end times? People become lover of themselves, which we see today. People become selfish which we see today. Everything that is described in 2 Timothy as the end days 
we are living and seeing that right in front of our eyes. And so should we then give in to our flesh and be selfish like everybody else? Should we then give in to our flesh and be like the culture and what we see on TV and the media? Or should we be selfless like our God is? Should we be selfless and sacrificial and giving? And we see Abel, his name, which means just a breath. As they gave him the name Abel, his life was just a breath. Did he do something wrong? Did Abel do anything wrong in the story? All he did was described was give God his very, very best. And he died for giving God his very, very best. Worship, if it doesn't cost you anything, is it real worship? If tithes and offering doesn't cost you anything, is it really tithes and offering? If coming to church doesn't cost us anything, are we invested in what God wants us to do? There's a cost that should be associated with everything. When we feel it, when it comes out of our pocket, when it comes out of our heart, when we have to make sacrifices, you know, for moms, usually, typically, who, who take the bulk of getting kids ready in the morning, there is a sacrifice and a cost in getting kids ready to come to church, right? Every one of us, we know that there's a cost and sacrifice to go to work and to go here and to go do this. If we honestly, truly believe in God as our creator and God as our savior and Messiah, we give more like Cain or do we give more like Abel? If God has given you and pave the way for you to have every single thing that you need. Do you think we give back like Cain or do we give back like Abel? When it's time to worship, if we're worshiping the car. Now, when we're in the car, sometimes our worship is completely different than when it's here, right? When we worship in the car, it's just us. And so we're singing like we are the best singer in the whole entire world. We are rocking it, right? And we're telling ourselves we're rocking it in the car. But sometimes when we come to church, we don't, we don't sing like we're rocking it anymore. Sometimes when it's time to give, do we give knowing, ah, I'm giving and this hurts, but I'm giving because I want to see what God wants to do. It costs me something. I feel and I show that I believe by what I'm doing. Stand with me. We're going to read one more verse and then we're going to close and pray. Matthew seven twenty four says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on the rock. Though the rain comes, torrents and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds their house on a rock. Though the rain comes, torrents and the floodwaters rise, the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on the rock. How many of us have seen in life that rain will come? How many of us have seen in life that storms will come? How many of us have seen in life that there are good times and there's really not good times? And what matters in every situation that you live in, Jesus said, is he who listens and he who follows. He who listens and he who follows. In the very beginning, and I love this as we close and pray, there was no description given at least that we see in, in one through three. But there was a young man who decided, God didn't have to write it out for me. I'm going to give him my best. God didn't have to spell it out for me. I'm going to give him my best. I don't need to be told over and over again what to give and how to give. My God deserves my best. My God deserves my best. I'm going to take the best of what I have. I'm going to take the best of who I am. 
I'm going to take every single thing that's within me, the spiritual gifts, the talents and the muscle and the beauty and everything that I have that God has put in inside of me, and I'm going to use it to serve God and give him my ultimate best. That everywhere that I go and everything that I do, that my identity in Jesus Christ is number one. And I'm going to use that to do my very, very best. Because as we go to bed tonight and wake up tomorrow, there could be another storm brewing. And what really, really, really matters is that your house is built on the rock. Let's pray.